This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, welcome into the Stink Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schler. Thank you guys so much. However you find us, however you download us, however you listen to us, watch us, we thank you so much. We truly appreciate it. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm great, but I can't imagine how good you're feeling right now after the weekend you just had. I mean, you want to talk about hanging out with football royalty. Oh, man. You know what? I am such – I'm still – like the the kid in me, the 12-year-old in me that – not how I act on the radio with you or on this podcast all the time, but the the actual 12-year-old in me. Which is still basic 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but the 12-year-old football fan in me comes out. And, you know, ultimately, I got a chance to live out a childhood dream and, you know, make my dream come true to play in the National Football League and do all that stuff. But when I get around, like, football royalty, like, guys, so this weekend I hosted an event for some good friends of mine at Sheets. It's a convenience gas station store up and down the East Coast, and they're wonderful people, a wonderful Sheets family are wonderful people. Um, but they had me come in to host their golf tournament and to do a question and answer with my former teammate, John Elway, Dan Marino, and Joe Namath. <laughs> and it was it was so cool. And I got to spend a bunch of time with Joe Namath. And they were like, well, where do you want to set up? And I go, hey, set me right by Joe. That way I won't have to sign very many autographs and, and I can, you know, I can, you know, talk to Joe. And it was, it was, see, 2017, I did an event with with Joe Namath as well, <clears throat> and it's funny. It was an autograph session. I, I've actually got the video here. We'll play this video. We'll play the video. Go ahead. So it, it you know, it was just funny because Joe is like that. He's iconic, and there's little old me with nothing to do, right? Um, and I showed him that video, and he just laughed out loud. He goes, "Please send that to me. Please, you know, text it to me," and. Um, I think one of the coolest things uh, that I've got a chance to be around some guys like that and to be around Joe and John and, and, and Dan, but one of the cool things for me is every day when I when I played for the Broncos, every day I would walk in. I was always the first guy in the facility, right? I was always in there about 5 a.m. And same routine. You know, I'd put on my shorts, get a cup of coffee, um, and I was going to go jump in the, the hot tub, you know, going to kind of start my day in the hot tub. Um, and every day I'd walk into the training room. We had a coffee pot and brewed coffee there. And I'd get coffee. And I'd grab my coffee cup and then up in the top. And it's still there in the Broncos training room. Um, there's a plaque. It's an anonymous quote. And it says, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who could do nothing for him. So you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. And I got a chance to pull Joe aside and just whisper that in his ear and say, man, I appreciate you so much. He's so gracious the way he handles you know, fans and, and people. He brought his 
granddaughter Gemma with him to the autograph session and to the to the event, and um, it was just it was just a treat. It's a treat to get to kind of know you know get to know that guy and to to watch how his career you know what a iconic. I mean, think about that. He guaranteed he guaranteed a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. From the AFL before it was yeah. even. You know, before it was even like it was just considered uh, a, a Super Bowl one. The Packers crushed Kansas City, then Super Bowl two, they crushed the the Raiders, and so it was just, it was just was like a foregone conclusion that Baltimore that Baltimore is going to crush the Jets, and he guarantees victory, and they go out and they win that game, and it's just an amazing, amazing. Um, it really led to the NFL merger in 1970. He's got it, whatever it is, right? He's he's got it, and I'll I'll tell you what. Dan Marino was an absolute witch. Yeah. Back in his day. I mean, oh. think about it, Mark. He was doing things like we almost take for granted now the passing numbers that we see from quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. The yards, the completion percentage, the touchdowns. He was putting up numbers four, 5,000 yards passing, 40, 45, 50 touchdown passes at a time where if you were. A Pro Bowl quarterback, you're maybe throwing for 3,500 yards, maybe 30 touchdowns. I mean, he, you talk about a man ahead of his time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, in 1984, his second year in the league, 5,084 yards yeah. passing, 48 touchdowns. And that, I mean, that, that, those numbers lasted decades, yeah. like just decades. Uh, I did have a chance to tell Danny, you know, I was like, hey, man, listen, uh, you know, the, what led to the, uh, you know, the, the fake spike. Remember the fake spike yeah. against the Jets? Yeah. I go, by the way, that's a real dick move, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just laughed out loud. Like, he was like, yeah, it kind of was. But, yeah, you yeah. know, it's just one of those. I'm what, Dan Marino. I could do it. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. Dan Marino. You know, I throw a touchdown here. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. And that was cool to, uh, you know, just reconnect with John and, and spend some time, you know, reminiscing about, about you know, Super Bowl Thirty Two and and the history of of John and the Super Bowl and all those things. So, just a really a really great evening. You, great you guys. Tell, can you tell? Because you tell a great story about uh, the competitiveness of of Elway. Yeah, and that this was a guy who it, it didn't matter. I mean, he, he got what was the story? He got rid of a pool table or a ping pong table yeah, because lost. he had lost on it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> he like he had lost a he had lost a, a pool match to somebody, you know, playing pool and and dumped the table, got rid of it. It's like this table's <laughs> obviously the table's faulty, right? The stick is no good. So yeah, he he just was the ultimate. I used to always say this about about Elway. Um, it just was like, what do you want me to beat you in today? Mm-hmm. Because he's just good at, like, he's just really good at everything. Like, what, do you want to play pool, pop a shot? Like, what do you want, you throw darts? Do you want to do that? Like, what is it? Like, you tell me, and if you want to play golf? We can do that. You know, I'm a practice scratch golfer, so, yeah, let's do that. I mean, it's just the it's just everything he does, he does it to win. So, let's see. Joe Namath, Dan Marino, John Elway, Mark Schlereth. Let's play a game of which one of these doesn't belong? Yeah, right. Huh? Uh. <laughs> but seriously, when you're when you're around greatness like that, and you've been around greatness, you played for winning teams. Can you identify the one common thread that connects great athletes? Mm. Is, is there is there one that comes to mind? I you know like like what is it about them that separates them yeah. and and and, and 
Yeah, I just, I just. It's not just talent. No, no, it has it. It's this insatiable appetite to win, to be great. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've always said this. Uh, go back to um, you know my man crush on Tom Brady. It's not. You know, I, I don't know who said this, but I've heard this uh, before. It's not, you know, Sundays. Everybody wants to line up and play on Sundays. It's your willingness to prep Monday through Saturday that ends up making you retire. If it was just about Sundays, guys would continue to play. It's it's doing the work. It's getting yourself ready, how difficult it is. And the thing that's always just fascinated me about Brady's run in the NFL or Tom, Bill Belichick's run in the NFL is to have the amount of success they have had and yet to not be sated by that success, not to just be like, okay, I don't have to, I'm not going to work as hard this week or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to study or prep. And, you know, you go back to Brady's days in Tampa and that was, you know, a, a really talented football team that never really won. And we can all look at the quarterback and everything else and, you know, Jameis Winston and the and just all the interceptions and, you know, and uh, so you can look at all that stuff. But really, it comes down to this. Like, there's not a guy on Tampa that I didn't talk to over the course of, uh, I think it's Brady's first year in Tampa. I think I did five Tampa games that year, four or five anyhow. There's not one guy on that team from Mike Evans to Chris Godwin to Ali Marpet to, you know, on and on and on it goes that didn't say the same thing. And, like, I thought I worked hard. I thought my level of preparation was, you know, I thought I was a pro. Like, dude, it has ratcheted, like ratcheted up tenfold since Tom Brady got here. Well, that would be owner Tom Brady to you now as right. he's bought into a minority ownership stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, just to, to put that in perspective, okay, NFL franchises are going for, you know, basically five, four, four and a half, five, six billion dollars. So even a 1% stake in the team is still $50 million probably for uh, the Raiders. So Brady is a, a part-time owner, just silent owner, or is this somebody who you think will be involved, almost like a – Owner slash football consultant. Yeah, I don't. I I, I wouldn't doubt that um, that Brady. I don't know how involved he'll be, but I, I wouldn't doubt that there would be some football operations, some um, you know, some some times where he would be consulted or or would be a consultant. You know, there's a lot of guys that get in that kind of front office that role. Uh, Dan Marino has that role with the uh, Miami Dolphins. Elway was the GM president for a long time. Um, and, of course, when you have an Elway or a Marino or you have a Tom Brady, those guys have such unbelievable expertise in football that I, I would think you would want that guy. You know, one of the things that was presented to me, though, even if it's a 1% share, is if something were to happen to the Davis family and they had to move away from the Raiders, would you get first opportunity okay. to put – a bid together Mm -hmm. like would you because of your ownership stake would you be able to say okay if I can grab if I can put the money together can I end up you know being part of the next group that owns the Raiders and so um yeah and and who knows I mean who knows what goes down on the future in the future but um I don't know why you wouldn't want Tom Brady's part of your organization and job security for 
Josh McDaniels with the relationship that he oh. and Brady have had? Does that, or am I making too big of a leap there? That hey, that can't hurt uh, Josh McDaniels. Oh, yeah, well, prospects, I can yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where where it kind of like. I'm not sure what what uh, like how much authority he would have in in the hiring and firing of of said head coach, but yeah, but his word would matter around there. It how would could it not. But I think for Brady, he you know he's with you winter tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. We started losing. Yeah, the, like there was not a lot of losing going <laughs> on true. over the course of his career that's with the, the Patriots. So yeah. I, I, he's not going to tolerate losing. Yes. I would imagine. Yes, his his feelings for Josh McDaniels only go so far. Right? He might. I mean, think about it. He may just come off uh, from ownership and just kick Jimmy Garoppolo to the side, have him fired. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, right. That's that's a lot of handsome. It's a lot. Are, I don't know if there's a, that might be too much handsome for one organization to have. One organization. What about Vegas? I yeah. mean, the, the the folks at the Chippendales and Thunder Down Under may say, "Hey, this is too much." Yeah, right. Too You're much. Exactly right. That's How can exact... we compete with Brady and Garoppolo? We can't. <laughs> Those guys dancing on Tuesdays, you know? I mean, the good news is Mark Davis kind of balances yes. out. If you got the, the scales of justice, you got Garoppolo and you got Brady over here, all that good looking. You put Davis over there and it, and it just kind of balances out the scales. Um, yeah. So Tom Brady. I do wonder, I do wonder about that contract he signed with Fox. Yeah, what does that mean now? I don't know. I have I have no idea. I'm trying to think. Has anybody been a part owner and also broadcaster for a national network, I, I mean, commenting I, on other teams? Yeah, I don't being think around that, other teams. I don't think it. Yeah, well, that would be that would be a little bit right. Right, rolling in and yeah, getting intel. You know, you're you gonna got, you're gonna be doing a plus. You know, you spent 20 years in New England. There was some accusations about you know spying and things of that nature. Think you maybe learned a thing or two from Bill? Nah, yeah. I mean, it would hard not. It would be hard. Pay no not. attention to that drone up there. Right. Can I feel your footballs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me just take a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with your collar? What are you doing with your collar? What? This one? Um But I, you know, I, I don't think it'd be like I don't think it'd be a conflict. I don't think it would be a problem. I, I don't. Um, it might be for a few people or a few teams, but I don't think it would be that much of a problem. I just don't like. It just seems interesting to me. Like, is that is that really what you're going to do? Because you're not doing it this year. You so he had said that you know in, I think 2024 is when he would you know go into the booth. But I, I wonder sometimes if he's going to do that, or maybe he would just be. Maybe it would be better off like if he went instead of doing games, went into studio. You know, maybe maybe partner up with with Bradshaw and partner up with Howie Long or if they if they move some people off that desk if you know Bradshaw eventually retires maybe Brady slides in I don't know I don't, but it is interesting like I don't know what the NFL protocol would be of, of ownership in a team and and you know doing games and all that kind of stuff well one thing the NFL continues to show us is that the TV product is what matters most so they may even say hey if we can get a bright, you know, star like Brady on TV. Hey, we'll look the other way, the fact that he's a minority owner because TV is so important. We got yet another example of that with the news voted on by the owners, not overwhelmingly. It passed 24 to 8, but it got the required number of votes 
for flexing out Thursday night football. Now, this only applies to weeks 13 through 17 in the NFL, and teams will be given basically 28 days of heads up that we're going to flex this game. Okay. Which is kind of interesting, you know, that you're going to be able to, I guess, see things that far out in the ever-changing world of the NFL and how tight things are, that 28 days out you're going to decide, ah, that game's not for us, but this game is going to be for us. But anyway, what's your immediate reaction? I I guess as a a, a broadcaster, as a fan, but maybe also the former player in you, the idea of flexing out that late in the season Thursday night football games. Yeah, I you know Thursday one Thursday night's always going to be tough. You know, there, it's always going to be a tough sell for me because you're just not ready to play. You know, from a product standpoint, your body hasn't recovered, so it's just hard to go out there and play. Two, you're at a very watered down game plan, and if you're not, you know, when Thursday night football started happening, it was kind of a more of a regional divisional matchups, right? That's how they that's how they sold that. Because you play a team a couple times a year, you know, and you have a history with them, you've got a little bit better understanding of who that team is and how you're prepping for that team and the things you like to do, what their identity is, what your identity is, all that kind of stuff. So I I would think that I would think that um it it would be really hard, especially if it's just you're just going by a good matchup. That hey man, we haven't prepped for this team. We've only got a couple of days. We're going to do a couple of walkthroughs, and here we go. Um, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to having the best product on television. But again, like you said, it's about the television product. It's about Amazon. It's about the relationship and the billions of dollars that they spent to put a good game on. Um, and 28 days in advance. Now, like it'd be good. Like let's take our situation here last year with the Broncos. You know, you think that that's going to be a great game come November, and then all of a sudden you realize Russell Wilson forgot how to play football. <laughs> then you're like, oh shoot! You know, we, now we got to flex him out. And I, I, I say that jokingly, but I'm not. You know, you get an injury, bam, your quarterback's done. Well, we'll move that that team out because of of, of that situation. So I understand it. The nice thing about Thursday night football is you get that little mini buy afterwards, you know, that three days or four days, whatever it is. So that's kind of the nice thing. But um, it's, it's tough, and it's tough on the – really tough on the fans. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the big issues, right? If, you, if you're if you like, hey, man, I'm I, 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 like, what it costs to travel. Yeah. I put all this together. This is like my – you know, one of my bucket list things, and I'm taking my son or I'm, we're going. And I'll say, no, oh, that game's been moved. Yeah. Sorry. You're sorry. Yeah. You know, whether it's either been moved from a Thursday, which you plan for, or now it's a Sunday, and, and that creates all kinds of issues, or – you plan for a Sunday game, and now it's moved to a Thursday, and you're like, well, it was one thing to be able to go on a Sunday, but now I can't clear work time off from yeah. work to be able to move to a Thursday. I don't know. I'm not I, I'm not, I'm not. a big fan of it, but it, it does show you that, that TV matters most. And so whenever the NFL comes out and says we care about our fans, we care about our fans' ability to be able to watch the best games, mm-hmm. not necessarily about the rank and file going to games. And I, I also don't think it sends a very good message – to how they view the quality of play because you you know guys like you have I've got to talk to over the years you always talk about how after Thanksgiving especially is when you really start to get into you know playoff mode you yeah. want to be playing your best football and you're talking about flexing out a game 
between weeks 13 and 17. I mean, that is the sweet spot right there for, you know, competitive football, for making the playoffs or getting that top seed or winning the division or whatever. And as you just perfectly laid out, you're, you're going to have two teams who are not going to be at their best no. for that Thursday night game. The, the cool thing about that, though, also is, you know, you can sit there and you know, used to talk about it being the loser's limp or the loser's lament. Um, oh, you know, the officiating. Oh, yeah. this. Oh, the schedule. Oh, we haven't had a – nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear it, right? Yeah. And I always kind of thought of it like going on the road and playing in a tough environment or something like this that happens that you got to deal with scheduling. Like – it it gives you an opportunity to to be mentally tough and like that like that is every bit as important you and i are living in denver and we're getting an opportunity to watch the nuggets yeah and it's been an incredible run and you know the rest of the nation is getting clued into what we see on a day-to-day basis but their ability to sacrifice for one another their ability to play a game for one another their ability to be connected and to just be tough, just to be tough-minded. Yeah. And, like, they have all those things in a day and age where, you know, the NBA is all about load management, this, that, and the other. They're down by 15 at halftime and say, ah, you know what, let's go on a 9-2 run and put this thing and, and hold the Lakers to 16 points in the third quarter and turn this thing around. It's like that's those are those mindsets and the teams that have great mindsets about that, they don't whine or complain about officiating. They just go out there and earn victories. The other big news coming out of the NFL uh, meetings and the the voting, call it the Brock Purdy rule or the Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey rule, Uh, the idea that teams now will be able to designate a third emergency quarterback on game day. So there will be a designated, uh, it only applies to quarterbacks who are on a team's 53-man roster, Practice squad players are not eligible to be emergency quarterbacks, but it allows the team to avoid counting the emergency quarterback as one of its active players on game day. So instead of, what, the active uh, 48? 46. 46, yeah, 46. Instead of the active 46, you'll have the active 46 and then an emergency. Your 47th player. Third string quarterback. Yeah. Just in case. Which, by the way, it's like... The rules that they that they create, and I'm not exactly sure why they they create the rules. Like, why are we only dressing 46 guys? <laughs> if we've got a 53 man roster, why don't we just dress 53 guys? 53 guys, guys right? Did you got you you're worried about bringing a couple extra guys on the trip with you? <laughs> or like, I don't I don't necessarily an extra hotel room or two. Yeah, mouths I mean, to feed. Yes, I mean it's like oh, you just yeah, the, the the Washington Commanders just sold for six. Billion dollars, uh-huh. and we're worried about dressing. I don't want to dress fifty-three guys. I mean, yeah, you know how much more. That's one more pellet of laundry detergent. Like that, <laughs> that would like. I mean, I don't, I don't, hey, I, I don't understand. You don't it. become a billionaire by giving it away. Right? I guess, I guess. <laughs> the other thing is, why not the practice? Like, why couldn't you just make a practice squad guy? So now you're you're basically saying we got to keep we got to keep three quarterbacks. You know, a lot of teams have gone away from. Yeah. Well, I guess you don't have to. You could have a. You. Well, he's got to be on the active. He's got to be on the active roster, and you can't even just. Ele- you can't even elevate a, a practice squad. No, you uh, can't. Player that even that week. So. Yeah. So you're gonna have to keep an extra. Boy, that that changes the way, like strategically speaking, changes the way that you you keep the bottom part of your roster, because if you think about it, like. 
there are always your teams that want to be like, hey, man, we want to keep an extra wide receiver or we want to keep an extra DB because of special teams and, and you know, an ability to cover kicks and do all those things. Um, and we're going to keep an extra line, whatever it is, extra tight end, extra linebacker, depending on what kind of offense or defense you're running. Um, and so now all of a sudden you, you basically have a guy <clears throat> on game day that you still have 46, but he's, you know, where a lot of teams would, would just keep two quarterbacks in, in recent years, yep. keep a guy on, on their practice squad. Or um, I know, like I was a part of Mike Shanahan's team's where now it's become standard to only dress seven offensive linemen. Right. Uh, when I first got in the league, you always dressed eight, you know, eight maybe nine. Now you, you have one guy that plays swing tackle both ways and one guy that's a swing for all inside three positions. And so it's really interesting like that that, that game day strategy um, comes into effect with this emergency quarterback. The other bit of news, uh, the NFL draft sites, uh, they, they've almost become – Looked forward to with anticipation and relief or mm-hmm. celebration if you get announced as a winner uh, for the NFL draft. So Detroit gets it next year. Okay. Green Bay in 2025. Really? The NFL draft with the idea that it's going to be in and around uh, Lambeau. And one thing the NFL said after yet another successful draft in Kansas City this year is it is now an outdoor Coachella style event yeah and uh, it's and it's going to be that way now moving forward so i i don't know lambo in and around lambo as your nfl draft site sounds pretty have cool you, speaking of bucket list things i've never been have you, you now and it is a bucket list item for sure dude you gotta it's it is so cool i i did a game and i, I want to go when the tundra's frozen too yes i, I want to go in september i did a game in december um when i was with espn but it was radio i did a radio game and December snowing and you walked over to the walked over because you stay pretty close you know and you're walking through the parking lot is brats and beer oh. and cheese oh. and it it's it is delicious it is it's tremendous yeah it is it is a tremendous that you ever whole, play there you played there yeah, right? oh yeah. yeah yeah and my ass kicked did you oh 1996 Oh, that's right. The uh, year with the Broncos before the year later, you beat them in the in, Super Bowl. It's, it's one of the reasons we beat them in the Super Bowl. Because we went up to Lambeau. We had everything locked up in 1996. We would go up to Lambeau. And, like, Gary Zimmerman's hurt. I had I played, but I had had knee surgery the week before. Shocking. Yeah. But I played. One of 29. Right. <laughs> so, Gary was out with a shoulder. He, he had his shoulder scoped. Uh, Terrell Davis didn't play. Elway didn't play. Billy Musgrave started the game. Billy Moose. Billy Moose. We had a bunch of just a bunch of guys, you know, that were injured and, and didn't play in the game. And they beat our ass. I mean, it was like forty six to maybe I don't even know if we scored a touchdown. I think we might have scored a touchdown. Dude, it was you would have so you're in like you're in Lambeau and you back then, and I don't know how that's configured now. But you come out of the locker room, and there was a staircase down. Okay. Okay, so you go down this staircase, and then you'd hit the ground, but they had it plywood. They had plywood. So once you stepped outside, you're like, oof. Then you walk down those stairs into that plywood, and you're like, man, it's cold. 
it's not that bad. It's not that right, bad, right? Right, 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 right You right. kind of psych yourself up. Then you walk out this plywood tunnel. It's probably 20, 30 feet, right? And you get into Lambo, and it's like somebody just punches you right in the face. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, it's freezing. So I'm playing that game. And 41 we, to 6, by the way. 41 to 6. You okay, close. Yeah. You close. So we're, we're just getting we're getting throttled. And, um, and my, I break my helmet. So I, my helmet is broke like a can. I, so I got it, I take it off in the middle of a drive and I chuck it to Doug West, who's our equipment guy. And Ralph Tam um, was Ralph Tam was was one of my teammates. And Ralph and I played in Washington together. We played here in Denver together. Ralph went on to have a, a great career. But Ralph throws me his helmet. So he's just standing on the sideline in a coat with his helmet. So he throw it was like putting on an ice tray. Oh and it was too big. It was a it was like a little, little bobblehead. You know, safety first. It was a big a frozen, this just frozen. While they're wrenching on my helmet, trying yeah. to fix my yeah. helmet, right? Because a face mask broke or whatever. So there was and I got this freezing ass cold helmet on. It was just, it was like you want to add insult to injury. It's the most miserable, like, can we just get out of Lambo, please? How loose was the helmet? Yeah, dude, it was, I could have spun it around. It was like, this guy's got it. Ralphie's got a huge head. Like, um, oh, yeah. But I really believe that they, I really believe that they took us a little bit lightly come Super Bowl time because that, was what was etched in their mind. That was, at the time, like we were the number one seed in the AFC, and we came up to Lambeau and got to be 41 to 6. And and they felt like, I think they, that's their like their memory of, of what we were. So it I think it played into that us winning that Super Bowl championship. Shame on them. Yeah. How yeah. stupid are you guys? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> think about that. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Sync Truth Podcast, we uh, appreciate you guys so much. Be well. Thank you for doing all you do, and we'll be back with you later in the week.